you brought your Bible with you today, uh, whether you brought paper or you do it electronically, if you're new with us, you can look at, look at these verses on the screen. But I want you to go to Romans chapter 6, Romans the 6th chapter. Before we read that, I, I want to take a moment to just, just share a little bit with, about what's on my heart today. I want to talk to you about the grace of God. It is a wonderful and powerful thing that has influenced all of our lives. Really, even if we don't know it, to some degree, we've been influenced by the change of how God deals with the human race. Many people live in the Old Testament, they live in the Old Covenant, and they see uh, many times, even though it's not completely accurate, but they see a God of judgment, a God that seems harsh at times. But thank God for Jesus, because when Jesus came and through His death, burial, and resurrection, now God has peace with us. Mankind, He no longer deals with us according to His wrath or according to our sin, but according to His great mercy, for it is His DNA, it is His nature to be kind, to be merciful, to be loving, to show people blessing even when they don't deserve it. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that is that way? I'm so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that He's done for us. But God's grace is how He deals with us today. It is the reason we can live without guilt The reason we can live without condemnation, without shame. It's the reason we can stand here today with a smile on our face and say, I'm just glad to be alive. I'm just happy to have the victory. I'm glad that the Lord is not judging me and not punishing me, but He's dealing with me mercifully and with kindness. And His relationship towards me is based upon what Jesus made available for me on the cross. And we know that that God and His grace is much more than unmerited favor, although it is. It is divine empowerment. It is strength to stand. It is the undeserved blessing upon our lives. It is healing. It is prosperity. It is victory. It is peace. It is the, it is the, the reason that, that Jesus went and died for us. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. We didn't deserve it. We weren't so good that God said, I'm going to give you my son because you're so good. No, he said, you were rascals. You were sinners. But I did it because of my love. And it's the grace of God that has enabled us to receive salvation, enabled us to receive all of these wonderful blessings from the Lord. It is the distinguishing factor that clearly defines the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And, uh, and all these truths are just so wonderful. I'm not taking this message per se to expound on those particular things that I've said already. I have some teaching on our website. You can get it, download it, listen to it for free. Uh, A couple different really good series on the grace of God. I would encourage you to go that way. It is a a message that all need to hear. And, And I know that in the body of Christ there has been much focus much attention in the last number of years on the grace of God. And, and again, I see that as a real positive thing and has, has set many people free. But as is true with many, many Bible truths, many scriptures in the Word of God, there is a middle of the road, which is truth. Then there is a ditch on one side And there is a ditch on the other side. And it seems that with any particular Bible truth, there is a tendency for people to get in the ditch on one side or the other. And uh, that shouldn't scare us away from what really is. It should really perk our ears up and, and, and cause us to, uh, to look into something to see what's really there. 
Because the enemy wants to distract, he wants to push people off to one side or the other, and it's because there is a truth right in the middle of it that will make people free. And when you and I know the truth, we shall definitely, as Jesus said, be free. And so what the Lord put on my heart just a, a, a few weeks ago is to talk about um, to, to talk about the subject of grace, but to do it in this way, I want to share with you about what grace is not. All right, I want to share with you about what grace is not. Again, should we talk about what it is? Absolutely. So we can spend months on that and be better off for it. But we should also understand what it's not, lest we fall into a trap of getting into and getting into error in our belief towards God. And so, everybody ready for this? All right. Number one, number one is grace is not. A license to sin. Grace is not a license to sin. Now, I realize some might say, well, who would even think that? Well, actually, when the grace of God is communicated in a powerful and clear way, it most definitely does raise the question within a believer's mind, as to whether sin matters at all. Because when it's proclaimed clearly and accurately, you see that sin is washed away. It has no part of me today. It's been forgiven, every single bit of it, past, present. Jesus even died for things we haven't done. Because he took care of all sin. And so it's very common for the question to rise in a person's mind who really sees God's amazing love and grace. The question to this end, well, does it even matter if if I sin? I can sin and it's no big deal because it's already forgiven in Jesus. But that question and the very fact that the grace of God would cause that question to be raised also demands a response. And the grace of God, understanding His love and mercy and kindness toward us, should be explained with this type of statement as well. Romans chapter 6. See, Paul was, he had great revelation concerning the grace of God, righteousness, who we are in Christ. And he said in Romans 6.15, What then, that's a question, what then, shall we sin because we are not under law? But under grace, no, no, notice the question that's asked, shall we sin? Now, he wasn't confused about that, but he knew the logical conclusion to what he was teaching about God's grace and how, how your salvation has absolutely zero to do with what you do, that people would naturally ask that question. And I think it's appropriate that we not only raise the question, but answer the question. All right, everybody know the answer? If you're not certain, we've been given the answer right here in Romans 6. The answer is, let's see, no. (laughs) To quote it exactly, certainly not, with an exclamation, exclamation point. Certainly not. Shall we continue in sin because of God's amazing grace and love towards us? No, sirree. And he goes on to explain a number of things that we won't get into today, but... The Lord doesn't remove 
the power of sin and the effect and the repercussions of sin from our lives so that sin could continue to dominate and rule us, but rather so that we could live free of it. Not simply by willpower or by a disciplined life, but because of His divine ability affecting us in such a way where we rise up and we succeed in resisting temptation and a life of sin. Praise the Lord. Now, I know this this has happened, and if you can't relate to this, praise the Lord, thank you Jesus, but... But I know this has happened in certain situations. Uh, I, I'm aware uh, there, there's one actually very um, popular Bible college in our country. And those on the inside came and, and, and ha- shared with me some things. They were re- they're real knowledgeable and understanding of God's grace. And they said they were having problems. People were learning so much about how their sins were forgiven. They were washed away that they had different students who were going off into sexual sin and not thinking twice about it. They're just living life and thinking, thank you, Lord, I'm forgiven. And they live like the world, live like they're not saved. And, uh, and until some, some correction, until some instruction was given, say, that's not what the grace of God is. The grace of God empowers you and enables you to live free from stuff. It doesn't give permission and excuse to live like you're not saved, to live like Jesus is not on the inside. Does that make sense to everybody? I, I remember hearing one time someone said, I was so excited to find out that God could never be displeased pleased with me. And they made that statement. I thought, hmm, is that what, is that what you came away with? When you heard about God's love for you and his forgiveness and redemption in Christ, is that what you heard? That God could never be pleased? I know he's pleased with us through Christ. I know his general disposition towards the human race is based upon his grace. And I understand that he doesn't deal with me in relationship to uh, a sinful nature the way I used to be. He deals with me as his child, as a born-again son of his, as one who's been made righteous by the blood of Christ. But can I say that he is never displeased with anything about me? What I think that does, I think it makes our relationship with God, remember we're all about that, our relationship with God very, very technical, and it removes the relational aspect of it. Does that make sense? I know I'm forgiven in Christ, and I have a relationship with Him that's eternal. All that is good, and I'm thankful for that very much. But I also, at least I'm supposed to, walk with Him. I'm supposed to have conversation, communion with Him, to have a relationship with Him. And if I were to just relate to God on a technical basis, and and don't get me wrong, we should have the technical side going here, right? The legalities of our covenant relationship with God. But I should relate to Him as if He's a a person. It it would kind of be like my relationship with my wife. Uh, You know, she... And I have a legal relationship. We have a covenant relationship. We have made commitments and promises to each other. And, uh, and that's the legal side. So if she does me wrong, I said if, 
If she does me wrong, or if I do her wrong, that doesn't remove our relationship. She's not, if she's rude to me and doesn't go where I want to eat after church or something. Of course she would. Then she doesn't cease to be my wife. She doesn't cease to, uh, to, to be in that relationship. Just like our relationship with God. How many know you can't, um, you can't end that relationship through sin? That's really an important truth for everyone to understand. You can't sin your way out of a relationship with God. But does that mean that we should? Certainly not. It will affect a person in many, many ways that are negative. Even though my wife and I stay legally related and we are committed to each other, we can have a hellish kind of fellowship with each other. And it's possible to have that relationship, but on a practical level, if we just treat each other like contracts, well, we're married. (laughs) Then where's the fun in that? I really believe that our relationship with God is supposed to be enjoyed. It is supposed to be exciting. It is supposed to be enjoyable, watch, by me and by him. But if I think of sin, and remember, sin is completely contrary to the life and nature of God, and really completely contrary to the life and nature of any child of God, any born-again person. But if that is completely contrary to the Lord, and I am going to live in that, imagining that it doesn't matter because of my legal relationship, because of my my covenant relationship with God, then I'm really messing up the the personal part of this. Huh? How, How many know one of our primary focuses around here when we gather is to help people have a connection with God? Not just a connection with the church. Not just a connection with another person. But if you don't hear from God, if His presence doesn't fill your life, if you don't become, a, uh, become established in purpose and fulfillment that comes only from, from Him, then you've missed what we're trying to do. I, I know a lot of religious organizations, that's all, it's all what it's about. Just get as many people connected to the organization. Get as many people connected to the place so, so the funds will really, really roll. <laughs> that's not what we're about. If you don't get connected with God, then I've failed, or, or, or you have. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to make sure and do my part. I can't make anyone take this a step further. But I want to help you to relate to him and have a relationship with him. And so if I have this mindset that, well, because of Jesus, he can never be displeased with me, I'm not really walking with him. I'm not. Because, listen, anytime someone's in a relationship, if I do something that is wrong towards my wife, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect her. If she does something wrong toward me, it's going to affect me. And many times, if you're close enough with someone, you see it in their eyes as soon as something's wrong. Huh? It's not like, well, we are married, and so I don't feel that. That means nothing to me. Marriage contract is still in force. No, I have, a, I have a walk with God, a relationship with Him that I must be aware of. Look with me at Jude chapter 4. That's a, that's a right turn. Jude. Hey, Jude. <laughs> Jude. Did I say chapter 4? Yeah, whatever. 
Okay, you're smarter than me. There's no chapter 4, but there is a verse 4. Jude 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here, that people turn the grace of God. That happened in their day, it happens in our day, that people can turn what is to be amazing and influential and powerful and, 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 and it gives us ability to live with and for God. It, not, it gives us that ability, but they turn that into lewdness or lasciviousness. It's a, it's a life with, an, with, with no boundaries. It's a life with an absence of restraint. They just go chaotic and basically yield to the flesh, yield to the devil, but they do that. Why? They do that based upon the grace of God or their misunderstanding of the grace of God. Can we see that that's a possibility with any of us? Is the grace of God to influence our hearts so we, so we say, yes, I'm free. I, and even if I sin, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. I am free in Christ. Amen. Absolutely. But the moment it starts becoming permission, the moment we start seeing the world, the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the moment we start seeing those things as inconsequential, as it doesn't really matter because of my relationship with the Lord, then we've, we've really stepped away from God's grace and we've gotten back into the flesh. Okay? And, 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 and this, is, this is something we need to be aware of, that people do that. And he made this statement that that is basically denying the Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. Oh, I'm just thankful for His grace. But by your attitude towards it and behavior, you're not walking in His grace. You are actually denying the Lord. That's a strong statement, I know. But th- these things are true and something that we should be well established in. Grace is empowerment to overcome and live right. Thank God for that. And so again, number one, number one, what, what grace is not, it is not a license to sin. Ready for number two? Number two, grace is not a reason to be idle. Grace is not a reason to be idle. Some have concluded that since the work of Christ is finished and now we live in the rest, we should not do anything in life but sit back and let grace provide. Everybody with me now? Now how many know the rest... Well, I love that teaching. You've heard, you've heard me, if you've been around for very long, you've heard me teach on the rest from Hebrews 4. Oh, it's so wonderful. We are in a rest because the work of Christ is done. But if I have the idea that walking in God's grace means that I become idle or inactive where I'm not doing anything, I've missed the point. I've missed the I've missed the effective working of God's grace in my life which not it doesn't empower me or give me permission to sit and do nothing 
but it enables me to be actively working in His kingdom, to be doing something with the skills, the abilities, the mind that I have that, that, that God has given me. Everybody with me today? Now, this thinking that God's grace means we sit and do nothing because it's all God, that's inconsistent with the New Testament. It's inconsistent with those who live for God and lived the life of faith. And how many know? Faith is what obtains God's grace. Faith is what grabs hold of the ability, the unmerited favor of God. And if, when I look at Scripture, I see again and again and again that those who lived by faith were people of activity. They were not people who just sat around making faith confessions. Those who would just speak the word and, 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 and then sit. No, they were those who received a word from God and acted on it. They were movers and shakers. They were those who turned the world upside down. There were those who stopped the mouths of lions and who parted seas and, and, and did amazing things. They took the ability of God and acted on it. And if I am truly operating in the grace of God, I am going to be a person of activity. I'm going to be a person of movement. Amen. Amen. And so our rest that we enjoy... It's the, it's the new covenant Sabbath, which is every day of the week. I live in the rest. It's the, uh, by the faith of the Son of God. The rest I live in is not necessarily physical activity. It's not rest from using the, the gifts and abilities that God has placed in me. It is rest from striving to earn it is rest from trying to do something to improve my place and standing with God. It is rest. I, I no longer am striving that way, but it doesn't mean I don't do anything. How many, how many know that if you've ever studied world religions, and not that I'm encouraging you to do so, but if you have, and some of you have come out of various uh, religious backgrounds, you know that those who who teach and promote works as a means to salvation, as a means to entrance into heaven, well, the one thing they have going for them is people work their butts off. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And they don't miss a tithe. <laughs> they don't miss an opportunity to, to, to quote, evangelize for their, for their movement. And sometimes when you get over into those who have received freely the grace of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, people, people end up sitting on their butts because they know my salvation's complete. I'm, I'm complete in Him. Nothing else I need to do. And so, just, and listen, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of idle Christians. Huh? There are a lot of idle believers. There are those that even concerning work and, you know, having a, a career and employment, they say, oh, no, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to live off God's grace. God's grace does not empower us to be unfruitful. His grace is not what, what, what makes us to do nothing. His grace empowers us to make money. To build houses, to, uh, you know, build a company, to work and whatever. There's, to do things. To make this world better. A believer should operate 
and work, even if their, if their work is physical, it's late, laborious, a believer should operate in the grace of God that empowers them to do it the whole time they do it. They know, my acceptance with God is not based upon this. That's based on Jesus. I have a relationship with God. This doesn't help me, but His grace empowers me to be better on my job. To make, to make money, be successful, to be a giver, to be empowered, to do good things in the earth. And so uh, we, we, can look at, we can look at different people in the Bible. Uh, one of the, of course, the most famous grace guy would be Paul. The Apostle Paul, who wrote large portions of the New Testament, it's interesting to see his life. <laughs> and uh, his life was one of work. You know that Paul was constantly active. He worked in preaching the gospel. He strived. I mean, he gave up some stuff because he was persecuted big time. But it wasn't just sit back on the beach and thank God for his grace. Nothing wrong with the beach. And if you can go, take some time on the beach. But that, wasn't, that shouldn't define our lives. Our lives should be defined by God working through us, God working in us, making something powerful, making something special of our lives. And, and Paul was one who worked at a time, he, he built tents just to shut people up who were saying he was in it for the money, didn't he? He, he, he was a tent maker for a while, and he, he would say, well, he should have just trusted in the grace of God. Okay, if you've got that much more revelation than him, then do whatever works for you. But I would ask, how's that working out for you? Huh? You getting more respect from the world because you sit on your rear end? I, I'm trying to be nice here, but uh, gracious. Uh, but listen, I believe God empowered us to, to, to do something, to do something good. And uh, his, his grace enables us. We are to be actively living for and serving and working for God. That's not a contradiction to God's grace. That's in complete alignment with it. Using his grace to the full. Let me read a couple verses to you. You can turn there if you'd like, but I'll read them. It's Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, verse 23. It reads In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. In all what? Labor there's profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Proverbs 19, 15. 19, 15 reads Laziness casts one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger and what person an idle person will access the grace of God more than the active person huh no an idle person will suffer hunger now someone might say pastor I hear what you're saying but that's Old Testament I checked and I look and Proverbs is in the Old Testament (laughs) We're in a new covenant now. Don't you know that? Yes, I know that. I do know that. I wasn't born, I was born at night, but not last night. Uh, <laughs> uh, Proverbs is in the Old Testament. But listen, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's not a book of law. Does wisdom apply under both covenants? Is, is wisdom something that we could always use under any circumstance? I believe wisdom will be true in heaven. <laughs> I, I think God is wisdom. And that's what these things are, are, are sharing with us, the, the wisdom of God. It applies today in all areas of our lives. We should seek out the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God says do something. 
Not to earn or, 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 or gain your standing with God, but do something that God can bless. Use his, his anointing, His grace, His ability on your life, and put some things into motion in your life, and God will bless that tremendously. His grace is what enables us to act and succeed. It's kind of like the love of God. Have you, have you ever noticed that the love of God works two directions? Many times we can see in Scripture that, that what we need the, and I believe this is first and primary, that we need, we need to walk in or receive the love that God has for us. The love that God has for us. It's the thing that drives out fear. Not if I treat everyone right, then fear will be gone. No, if I understand that God treats me right, that God base, bases His relationship with me on the work of Jesus, I receive His love, that's a very important thing. But the Bible also speaks of love going through us, both to us and through us. And the Scripture says that we should walk in love. Remember Ephesians 5. We, that, that love should flow to us and flow through us. What if the love of God is not really flowing through me? What if I don't walk in love towards other people? I would say I probably have not received sufficiently God's love for me. Does that make sense? In other words, if I'm rude to everyone, if I'm mean, if I'm unkind towards others, can I really say, I'm just walking in the love of God? He loves me. I don't think, I don't think I've really received His love for me. When I've received a sufficient understanding, revelation of God's love, it's going to come out of me towards other people. You'll find the insecure. You'll find those who, who live with, with hurt. Those are the people that are typically mean towards other people. But when you receive a sufficient understanding of God's love towards you, it'll be natural to come out of you. I don't mean we couldn't be tempted to be unkind or anything like that, but it'll be a natural flow out of our lives, kind of like the, the gas tank. You know, we got those little things that click off when it's full, but, uh, you know, if you didn't have one of those, what would happen when you fill up your gas tank? You keep filling it, filling it, filling it, filling it, and when it's full, what happens? It starts coming out. It starts kicking right back out. And when you get full of the, really, of anything, when you get full of the love of God, it starts kicking back out. Kicking back out your mouth and you start saying things that are kind and you start, stop being judgmental and you start, stop uh, being um, you know, rude to other people. Praise the Lord. These things are true, consistent across the board with how God deals with us by His grace. His grace works in us and when we are sufficiently walking in His grace, His favor, His kindness, all these things, what's it going to do? It's not going to produce a nothing life. It's, not, it's going to produce a life of fruitfulness. A life where His grace and ability flows out of our lives and through us to others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, and so God grace, God's grace is something that needs to be uh, received. And it needs to be something that's used. It's, it's tragic, I think. And I'm telling you, even looking at my own life going back. It's tragic, I think, how so many believers live and they believe in God's grace, at least technically. Um, they believe in it from a theological position. But using His grace is a whole nother deal. So many times people live, and I'm talking us now. We live as if God's grace is not, does not even exist. We run into a problem and, oh, what are we going to do? Freak out and 
give up and throw our hands up. Man, what are we going to do? Remember just like a few minutes ago you were singing that song and stuff about God's grace? (laughs) It's His ability. It's His kindness towards you. You think He's letting you go down? Would you give place to grace and stop giving place to problem? Amen. I know that's kind of off topic a little bit, but it kind of works. It kind of fits in here a little bit. Uh, let's Let's give place to His grace. If you're in sin, if you're living a life of sin, it's dominating you. Listen, God's victory is already won. For you, your victory is already won. Give place to His grace and you'll be empowered to stand in your place. And you'll live right and you'll walk by faith and not by sight. Come on. You will, you will begin to use the good things that God has given you. But when we, you know, have a problem and we immediately look for a natural solution, we're not given place to God's grace in our lives. We're given place to fear. We're given place to this natural world that acts like God is not even here. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, I've given you two. (laughs) What God's grace is not. And you want to know number three? That that was not near strong enough. Um, (laughs) I'll tell you what it is, and the next week we'll come back and give it to you and lay it out good. Okay? I'll just tell you for a few of you that really want to know it. The rest of you. <laughs> How many know if you don't want to be if you don't want to be bothered with God, you won't be. That's just the way he deals with it. Uh, you know, so, someone said to me they they were trying to get someone to come to church and they said, Well, I work on this day. They said, Well, why don't you come on this day? We have church on this day too. Well, that's my only day off. I said, I said, why don't you tell them, then you won't be bothered with God. And just end the conversation. You know what I mean? Because isn't that true? I mean, I know it's hard if you really care for someone. I don't mean you stop praying for them, but tell them. All right, fine. See ya. You won't be bothered with the Lord in your life. Hallelujah. Here's number three. Let me give you this. Number three, what grace is not, it is not a life of lawlessness. It is not a life of lawlessness. The word law is really kind of like a cuss word in many churches, (laughs) in many circles. And we know we're not under the law of Moses. But you know, actually, the New Testament talks about law. It uses the word law. And it's not just in a don't be under the law way, because we're not going there. We're not going under the law of Moses. but but, But the Bible uses the word law in the New Testament in a positive way. And we should understand how that affects and influences our lives and how, how that is to govern our, our thinking, our activity. There, are, there is a lawlessness that we should avoid being a part of in our relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Amen.